Namaste. Om Shri Krishna Shananam Mamaha. I like asking questions more than I like giving information or even getting information. I like to accumulate information, but I love to keep asking questions. I recently talked about this in a live stream where I said that jhana yoga is a key ingredient of this channel. And what is jhana yoga but asking questions? Of course, you do want to come to definitive ideas at some point and definitive conclusions, but questions for me are so valuable. And I think today in our society, we're literally facing a crisis of questioning. I literally believe people are, I want to say brainwashed, but it's more than that. Questions are being stopped before they're asked. And when someone asks a question, it is just, whoa, 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 cancellation time. Why am I asking a question? So I have a friend who was very involved uh, 15 years ago in college with the gay rights movement. Every... Uh, every protest that came through college or was happening, my friend was there. She uh, would even take off her clothes if that was part of it. She would be a part of things like the vagina monologues. She was always very active in anything feminist and gay and lesbian. Well, 15 years ago, things were a little bit different. In my last episode, I actually discussed the world of gay and lesbians when I was growing up. By the time she had gotten to college, because she's younger than me, things had changed. But still, here we are in 2023. Now we have non-binary and trans and a thousand gender identities or whatever. And my friend told me that she asked a question. She asked about this trans thing. Because she had only known one or two trans people her entire life and was told it was like 0.001% of society, but now is being told, oh, no, no, it's a lot of people and tons of folks, and you may not be born in the right body and all that. My friend is an athlete and knows a lot about biology, and she's like, I don't understand this. So she would um, ask questions. She no longer has any friends from college because she asked questions. Because the response was, if I have to tell you the answer, well, you're a bigot. Or why are you even asking such a question? Ugh, be gone with you. She literally stopped asking questions. And she came to me. We were talking about something. One day we were talking about, I forget what it was. And she was like, oh, my God. Um, I'm so glad to hear you say that. Because I thought I was going crazy. Because I'm having these thoughts in my head. I can't ask questions. Because when I ask questions, well, I lose friends. And when I, you know, I don't know what to do. And finally, I was sharing her videos, uh, Sydney Watson and uh, Matt Walsh and some others. And she was like, oh, my gosh, they're asking questions, too. Wow. I see so many people who have stories like this. Um, I'm on a forum for folks here in Maine. And sometimes on the forum, someone will say, yes, I started asking questions. And now I have no friends. <laughs> Think about what has happened over the last few years with the bug. Can't say the word. How many people ask questions? Oh, no. Misinformation. Canceled. Science is now settled. Science is never settled. The moment science is settled, we're living in the Middle Ages. Remember, Galileo was wrong. 
science is settled. I'm sure someday I'll get myself in trouble because I've always asked questions. All I'm going to say is I've been like this since since I was a boy. My dad likes to say that I didn't talk when I should have. Um, I didn't really say much. And they were kind of worried about it. And then I was like a little bit older. And all of a sudden, one day, I just said, what is that? And according to my father, I never shut up. <laughs> Since then, I have proceeded to ask every question in the book. I became a sociology major in college. In hindsight, I regret it. But at the time, I felt it was the best degree for the way I thought and approached the world. Because um, I knew I wasn't going to get a technical education, like a doctor or something. Um, sociology, for me was a place where I could ask questions. And at that point in college, you still kind of could. You kind of could still ask questions. And so sociology was a way to look at things and talk about things and explore things. Of course, I wanted to explore religion. And yeah, no, there was no religion classes because ah, that's a bad thing. <laughs> I, it ended up being my minor, though, but it was in a different department. So someday I might be canceled for asking questions. But... I've been like this all my life, and at 46 years old, I won't be changing. So today, I wanted to ask all of you a question. I've been reading a book recently. Um, <laughs> if you watch this show, you know I love books, and I love to read, and I highly encourage people to read, because honestly, there's some things you can't get off of Wikipedia, and things you, you cannot get off of a two-hour documentary you saw on Netflix. Sometimes you need to suffer through hundreds and hundreds of pages. I just read this really, really great book. I highly recommend it. It is called An Introduction to Swami Narayan Hinduism by Raymond Brady Williams. This is the second edition. He published one about a decade or so earlier than this one. Um, this edition is from... Uh, really? You're not going to give me the year? Oh, here it is. 2001. <laughs> I couldn't see it. The print's so small. Anyways, this is a really good book because it opens up with a overview of India in Gujarat at the time that Swami Narayan was um, coming into his own. And there's a few chapters here that I absolutely loved talking about the world of Gujarat, India. And then it brings in uh, Sri Swami Narayan, and then it talks about his effect on the culture. Um, I'm going to get this wrong, but one of his disciples, his immediate disciples, wrote like one of the first novels of modern Gujarati. I mean, it was just a huge influence that Swami Narayan had on the culture of this country. But it was really interesting and it got me thinking. I'm learning about India in the past and I'm learning about things that I never knew about reading this book. And I'm learning about uh, this little part of India way up, way up on the end. And the, the the boondocks, according to this book, the the countryside, the 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 part that was struggling to get together, and I'm reading about its influence on the rest of India and how the rest of India influenced it, and then you know from there would be the same country, which would give birth to Gandhi, and today Modi, the prime minister, and it got me thinking about tomorrow. Because I believe as a historian, as an actual history author, not just a history reader, I've always said since uh, my my first book when I was 
uh, I was in college. I was 21 years old. It was actually a history book. And I've since written a couple. So, and I've written newspaper articles, a historian and done lots of history work. So I, I am an official historian, paid historian. I've always said, we learn about the past, not to find out what happened yesterday, but to know about today and tomorrow. We learn about what happened so we don't make those mistakes again. We learned about what happened so we can see where we are, see where we're going. You know, people are always talking today about 1984, 1984, the book, the movie, and how we're living in it. The past became prophetic, scarily prophetic. I was also seeing a video the other day that said, Actually, we should be looking at a clockwork orange, that really a clockwork orange is the first step. And then 1984, one could say is in the same universe and is what comes after. And we are in a clockwork orange, a book that has also become prophetic and a movie. Anyways, it got me thinking about India and India tomorrow. The India not of 2023, the India not of Gandhi, the India of 10 years Tomorrow, 20 years into tomorrow, 30 years from now, 50 years from now, an India where Modi is dead and is just a name in a history book. And I wonder what we can learn from India today to take into tomorrow. What can we learn from India? That's my question. Took me forever to get there. I apologize. What can we learn from India? What does India have to teach us? I don't really know where India will be in 10 years, 20 years. I barely know where this country will be. There's a couple different avenues based on things that I've perceived. None of them are actually exceptionally exciting or good. They all have ups and downs, and they're not what I saw coming. But on the other hand, yeah, actually, they're very predictable. There's a couple different places society could go. And I'm not even thinking like nuclear war. I, I don't think that's going to happen. India, I don't know where it will go. I don't know that much about India, quite honestly. And I, I, it's hard to predict. But today, is there things that we could learn from India as we go into the future to maybe have a better future? I wonder, though, um, if we're going to have a scary future, can we prevent it from being scary via lessons learned from India? Putting the question out there, letting you answer the question, really. Um, you may know way more about India than I do, so you might be in a great place to share with me insights that we can learn from this country and take with us into the future. And maybe you've never thought about this. I've been seeing a lot of videos um, just coincidence, they coming up on my YouTube feed, predicting what will happen tomorrow in the world. And you know who really doesn't get mentioned? India. China gets talked about. Um, I see Islam talked about, America. I've even seen one video on how Canada will fall. Um, I uh, Let's see, North Korea gets talked about. But India doesn't come up. I think a lot of us are ignorant on India. But I think India has a lot to offer. Let me tell you why I wonder what India can teach us. Because this is, uh, along with China, our most crowded country. So they, uh, most crowded, our biggest population, excuse me, 
So they have an interesting situation going into the future. Whereas in America, we are actually facing what Japan has faced and what I believe parts of Europe are facing, a population crisis. We are actually facing a declining population that will have a severe impact on our lifestyles, our taxes, our whatever. Um, some people say the population decline in America will actually uh, radically affect women because we will start to need more children and marriage is just going to fall apart and it's not going to be there and families are not going to be happening because we're having less and less families. And so there, it's going to impact us. But India isn't facing a population crisis. So they're going to have a different perspective on the world. And that is very interesting. That is very good to have. Perspectives are great. As my friend discovered when she asked questions, wanting to know about perspectives, perspectives are great if you allow them to be expressed. It's how we learn. It's how we don't think we're crazy. <laughs> India is working with dealing with combating, whatever word you choose to use, the woke movement. They are seeing it as an influence just like the rest of the world. Now, if you look at England, they're handling the woke movement as a revolution. Uh, maybe you saw the news about a woman in Scotland, so Great Britain, not England, who was actually facing or was facing jail time because she said the word uh, feminist, go feminism, and that's anti-trans, so that's hate speech. She's facing jail time. What? And you see the, the rainbow police. In America, we're fighting it. India is also having a pushback against the woke agenda. I see it all the time uh, on YouTube, like via the channel, um, the Festival of Bharat and the India Times. The thing is, is when they push back at the woke agenda, they're coming at it with a tradition and a mindset very different than us Americans. I think there is a group consensus thing that they have, a familial thing that we have. That, sorry, let me rephrase that. There is a group thing that we don't have, a familial thing that we don't have in America, a sense of tradition that we don't have. How will they deal with this movement? How are other countries dealing with it? What can we learn from when England handles it? Or what do we see as the outcome? I think that's fascinating. I think we can learn a lot about how society works from India, from what they're doing. There was something in the news the other day about Modi making friends with Putin or Russia. And uh, of course, the news was like, look at what a horrible person this is. He's evil, just like Trump. Well, no, actually, he's probably trying to avoid a war. He probably doesn't want to send troops to the Ukraine or wherever. He probably wants to keep India out of the fighting, <laughs> keep the head down. So it's not evil. It's trying to play a different game. Maybe he's also saying, can we talk about things before we fight over things? That's very interesting to me. Of course, you know, we, we destroy Modi's reputation in America and people don't even know who he is. So they don't, I don't even think they care on some level. I don't think Americans understand him or, or really, really know about his work as prime minister other than what they're getting from the media. But it's so interesting to see and to follow him, the little bit I do. India has a different perspective. And I, I, yeah, I just think there's a gold mine here for us to tap into in the West to learn from. Could be a Pandora's box, <laughs> but I think it's a gold mine. So 
I want to turn now to a couple websites that I have linked down below, which I just hunted up kind of quickly, offering what India has taught us and what we can learn from India. Just to throw some ideas out there, this episode today is really just trying to spark conversation, maybe to inspire you to read about India or to learn more about this country that maybe you think you know about. Maybe you don't. Also, I do want to say there are some bad things in India. Is it Mumbai that has so many uh, scam telemarketers and just scam organizations happening, companies that they don't even bother with them anymore? Um, so there is not all positive. And there's still an issue with the caste system and untouchables and women's rights and other stuff. But even with those bad things, I think there's ways of learning because they have things, a different perspective. I'm interested in that perspective. I want to know about that perspective. So let me turn to one of the websites. I know we're just going to quickly go through this and I'm going to read some things to you to kind of spark the juices. One website um, says, and this is for people who are planning to study in India, uh, it says that India has a multicultural spirit. Each state has its own cultural identity. I mean, if you know anything about India, you know that they all have their different languages and history and whatever. And, you know, the history of Gujarat is very different than Bengal or, or wherever, Mumbai, Pune. So there's a sense of multiculturalism here that goes far beyond what many other countries have. And remember when I lived in Japan for three years, there was a lack of multiculturalism there. I knew no matter where I went in that country, the train station would always look the same. <laughs> or I knew how to act, and that was good everywhere. But India is different. India, you can see like a hundred cultures in a train ride across the country. And that is that is something very fascinating. Also, India has, according to this website, deep-rooted philosophies. We, we hear in America, you know, yoga, namaste, we love that stuff. Uh, and we don't have that in America. I don't know about other countries. I just speak as an American. I think it's safe to speak as an American, so I don't want to presume what other people are saying. But we, we've lost a lot of that. But India has that, and there's something there that's very grounding, and that's so important. Um, according to this website, India also has ancient wellnesses, sorry, ancient wellness practices, Ayurveda, which I happen to love. I consume so much turmeric, it's going out of style. I've actually done a video on turmeric that'll come up on the channel at some point. Uh... And I've actually been taking a course on Ayurveda, and I just think this stuff is amazing. These practices have already seeped into American culture, but there's so much more there. And, and I think it's really going to continue to grow. And that can have a, a profound effect, particularly in this age of uh, settled science and whatever. <laughs> Let's bring in some ancient science. So according to this website, going past the huge pictures we have, economic way of living, savings, planning for the future, looking ahead, finding quality, best value. I don't know if this is necessarily true. I think you could probably find this in any country, but it's interesting to consider how an Indian approaches life versus us here in America. 
This website also says that Indians value education. Do we value education in America? Most of us say that the colleges are not worth the paper they're written on. Sorry, college degrees aren't worth the paper they're written on. So I don't, I don't know if we do. This was an interesting one, I thought. India can teach us a lot about language learning because, according to this, there are 22 official languages. I don't know how many total there are. Uh, tons of dialects and whatever, and I think a lot of Indians actually speak multiple languages. Uh, reading about Gujarat, I know a, a lot of people in, in, in Gujarat speak Gujarati. They also speak Hindi. They also speak English. They may speak uh, some European language. And so in America, it's very easy. You know, we can learn Spanish in school, but never really use it. Or I took Russian, Spanish, and German. Did I use it? No, I moved abroad, and then I actually had to learn. Uh, but there's some, you know, it it might help us to understand languages and learn languages and integrate and whatever. I don't particularly need the world to all speak English. I would be more than happy to learn your language. I just, if I learn something, I want to be able to use it. Uh, also, this website says uh, Spirit of Charity. There is, according to this, one nonprofit for every 600 people. That's an interesting stat. Don't know where that's from, but that's amazing. And uh, so there's a sense of giving there that we could probably learn. I know there's in the West here a lot of stigma attached to charity. Oh, well, you're a Christian. Oh, well, you, you do it for the tax write-off. But that's not really, yeah, no. That's, there's, there's more to it than that. Um, let's move on now to another website. This is a listing of 20 things that the West can learn from India. So it's a little more future tense than what I just read. First one is, no matter, just to read it directly, no matter where, sorry, no matter what the problem is, we Indians always find a way to hack it. That's what we learn. That's what we can teach you. That's what all of us can learn from Indian how to hack it. This website also talks about frugal living and a don't waste approach. Uh, finding alternatives for, you know, that bottle of Pepsi. Once you drink it here in America, we throw it out. Well, do you need to throw it out? This website also talks about adaptability. Look at the climate of India. Look at the um, cultures. Look at the history Look at the fact that it has the oldest religion in the world that is still around. There are religions that are older, but they died out. If you see someone today who says they practice uh, the from the uh, Egyptian Book of the Dead, they went and revived it or are part of a group that revived it. The Egyptian Book of the Dead and ancient Egyptian practices died out. Suddenly, I'm looking at a picture of, I don't know, I guess this works. I'm looking at a picture on this website of this woman in a park, and I'm 90.9% .9 sure it's Central Park. As in, I will bet money that the photos of Central Park, because I spent a lot of time there living in New York for six years. I live five blocks away, technically six from this location. So they could have done better on this website, <laughs> a photo of Central Park. But on the other hand, it shows how Indians are going other places and adapting. So that's actually quite legit. So it's a subtle thing here. Swami Narayan has temples all around the world. 
adapting. Actually, this book talks about how the Swami Narayan Sampradaya adapted to suddenly having temples that weren't in India, that were across an ocean. So adaptability is a big thing. Uh, this is a good one. It says that Indians can teach us about event management. Gonna mispronounce this. I always do. The Kumbh Mela, you know, that huge festival. It functions. I don't think you could have a festival like that in America. I mean, I don't think we could get 80 million people to get together in a festival. It would just be insane. But it happens. And this isn't the only one like that. And they work somehow. So there's something to learn from that. Let's see what else this website says. Oh, I mentioned this already. Strength from the community. Do we have strength from the community here in the States? No, I think we're too divided into political parties and ethnic groups and whatever. There are communities, but I don't know if we draw strength from them. Let's see what else this website says. Oh, it says that Indian can teach us about vegetarian eating. <laughs> and this, this person writes, I'm saying this is a hardcore, non-vegetarian, loving Bengali. <laughs> there is nothing to this world like a little palak paneer. <laughs> I love Indian food. Um, growing up, every year, my parents would take me to a restaurant, wherever one I wanted. And... Uh, I, I could get anything. It didn't matter. Price, nothing, whatever. It was One time it was like, this is your birthday, whatever you want. Every year, I want to go to the Indian restaurant. <laughs> it wasn't even a thing. And at one point, the Indian restaurant closed. And my parents said, where do you want to go? And I said, nowhere. I didn't do Indian. So this was, I, I love Indian food. I absolutely, if someone said, you can't eat anything but one cuisine for the rest of your life, what would it be? It would either be Indian or, or um, probably Japanese or Chinese. This is very interesting. It says that India can teach us about diversity at the top. And it says of 67 years of India's independence, 17 of those were a woman prime minister. We know Indira Gandhi. And it says we have also had a woman president and five of the 13 presidents were non-Hindu. It says in comparison, America has yet to have a woman. And it says it found its first Muslim president, Barack Obama. Uh, very cunning, this website. <laughs> uh, this also talks about the refugee policy of India, which is very different than other countries in some ways. Let's see, what else? I know they make good movies. That should be on the list if it isn't already. We can learn a lot about movies. I love Bollywood films. Absolutely love Love Bollywood films. Shah Rukh Khan, Kajol. Uh, what is her name? I've mentioned her before. She was in the movie with Shah Rukh Khan. He's the midget and she's in the wheelchair. Oh, I, I don't know why I forget her name because I have a total crush on her. I, I went through a thing where I was watching Bollywood films all the time. Oh, this is cute. It says, Indians can teach us how to look beautiful in a very simple piece of clothing. <laughs> ah, I like this one. It says, India can teach us about how to respect our elders. Yep, we don't respect our elders. We don't respect our, Viet no, sorry, our Vietnam vets and other veterans from other wars either. We don't care about our veterans. Here in America, think about it. When was the last time a presidential candidate or a president talked about veterans? Never. Used to be a campaign issue. Um, Mr. Candidate, when, what, what, you know, what um, branch of the service did you serve in after Bush? It just became a joke. And now no one cares about veterans. I really think we're trying to let our elders go by the wayside. It's, it's a horrible thing. 
It also says that in a survey conducted by Russia, India ranks highest worldwide when it comes to readers, with the average person clocking in 10.42 hours a week in reading, which is amazing given in America a survey was done just a couple years ago where it, it discovered that we have now the lowest literacy we've had in a long time and we are now facing in uh, reading is no longer of interest as with six percent of americans now consider reading to be their hobby i'm one of the six percent down from like 16 so we don't read anymore let's just repeat some other things that i already said and and i want to go to this last list i'm just listing this stuff off to get you thinking and to spark some conversation let's see if this this other list adds some things ah power of the family. It says even though the nuclear family is changing India, the emphasis on the family is still important to them. Whereas in here in America, God, so many of us aren't raising families. We're not having kids. We're not even getting married. This is an interesting one. I really like this. It says India can teach us how not to treat women. And the quote is, we really suck at this. Our society is patriarchal at best and misogynist at worst. Until we can ensure happiness health and safety of women, we will remain a third world. So as I said earlier, India has some things that they need to work on, but we can learn from them. I like this other one. It says, uh, we can learn from India how to be patient and tolerant. We accept all religions, it says, and ways of life. It also says there's corruption and inefficiency there, and do not copy the urban planning of India. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. It then goes on to say on this website that India can teach us to give the finger to materialism. That's, that's a good one. And it can also teach us how to treat guests. The guests come first. I don't know. I thought this was very interesting. I thought reading about in India has been very interesting. Might India be the key to a successful future? Might there be a lot we could learn from this country beyond just yoga and saying namaste, but big stuff, maybe? I think so. I think so. And I look forward to learning more about India and, and, and reading other books. And I, I've been trying to do that and figure out some stuff to get on Amazon to learn more about India. I wouldn't say that Poland is going to teach us about the future. I love Poland. Krakow, beautiful place. I don't even know if I would say Japan can teach us about the future. But I definitely think India, the little bit I know, has a lot to teach us. So, what do you think? What can we learn from India? What have we learned already, which I haven't really talked about so much or indirectly, and what can we learn for tomorrow to help us not have a future that's uh, 1984, but something better? I don't know. I'm putting it out there for you to ponder. Anyways, your turn down below, in the comments, whatever forum you're watching this on, let me know what you think. And I would say thank you for joining me wherever you are. I know a lot of my followers are in India on all the places that I share this, Spotify, Rumble, um, BitChute, uh, Anchor Podcasts. I know a lot of you are in India. So I would love to hear from you about what you have to offer us. What can I learn from you. What can you give us? What do you got? What do you got, brother, sister? Share with me. <laughs> so, 
Thank you for watching. Thank you for joining me. As always, I wish you the best in in your spiritual life and in your journey. Jai Shri Krishna. Jai Shri Swami Narayan. Om Shri Krishna. Shananam Mamaha.